here in Matthew chapter 5 on Sunday mornings, here for a little while. Matthew. Chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, we are looking at the Beatitudes, verse 3, Jesus teaching, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the new birth. The moment someone... Uh, turns in their heart from their sin and trusts Jesus Christ, your blessed Son, to forgive them and save them, trusting only in the work that He did on Calvary, dying for our sins and rising again. That's when we become, as your word says, born again. Uh, you give us your Spirit and you give us the promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And that is true for every single one of your children. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the changes that you bring. We thank you that we can read about and study about these in the Beatitudes as we read about the change of heart, the change of character that happens within the believer through this new birth. And Father, we thank you and praise you for that. I look to you, Lord, for the filling of your spirit to minister to your church this morning. May your word edify us and may we be more like Jesus. I pray that any lost receiving uh, the messages this morning here and through our website, any lost one that might be listening far to the wood, recognize that they can be saved today. That salvation is a free gift, but it came at great cost to your son. That they, might, that they might turn to him in faith, simply asking forgiveness and believing. Thank you for the word that's gone forth already, the children's Sunday school hour, the adult Sunday school hour. Thank you for the challenge of your word. Help us to apply your word, follow you. Dear God, uh, we're just thankful for each one with us. And give us wisdom and grace to be lights for you as you've called us to be. Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> we see in Matthew chapter 5 that in the first uh, couple verses of the chapter, Jesus has called his disciples to him. So this uh, Sermon on the Mount is uh, Jesus teaching and uh, preaching to his disciples. Uh, certainly, uh, as, he, as he speaks these truths, there are things that uh, we can learn and things that we can uh, apply to help the lost understand how to be saved and such. 
but uh, once you have that uh, trust in Christ uh, for the forgiveness of your sins, uh, you have that you are been you have been born again as we uh, have realized what that is. Uh, then God calls us to be disciples to follow Him. Uh, you cannot follow uh, God without Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, uh, you, you can't know God without Jesus Christ, uh, and uh, and and so He empowers us and He helps us to follow God and to be the lights that God has called us to be. Uh, we saw uh, in the study already, "Blessed are the poor in spirit," and uh, and by the way, these are spiritual things within inside of us, being poor in spirit those that mourn, the meek. These are spiritual attitudes, we might say, or spiritual uh, fruit that the Holy Spirit brings forth inside of us. And then they do manifest in outward ways. But they're mainly first and foremost inside of us in the change of our hearts. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We saw that uh, we have nothing to pay for our salvation. We have no power of our own uh, uh, to, to, to live for God. And uh, we, we can't do that. And by the way, we have no wisdom of our own to, to discern what the will is, what God's will is, what's right to do. All of those things, we're poor in spirit. We must trust wholly in the word of God, in Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us, empower us to live the Christian life. The payment of Christ on the, on the cross as the only payment for the forgiveness of our sins. And we saw after that, that blessed are they that mourn. And we learned that what we ought to mourn about as we grow spiritually what we mourn about really is sin inside our hearts. We ought to grow to the place where our own sin grieves us. By the way, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed under the day of redemption, the Scripture says. So we mourn over our sin. We mourn over the sorrows of sin. We, look, we live in a fallen creation. We saw that. And there's many sorrows in this life because we live in a fallen world. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And we finished last week's message with Isaiah 61, 1 and following. And it defines the ultimate comfort for those who mourn. And by the way, it also defines what the mourning is if we, if we uh, would meditate upon that. Speaking of prophetically of Messiah, Isaiah 61, 1 and following, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. <laughs> that would be uh, what we're going to look at today. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening of sight to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. And then it says, to comfort all that mourn. See, if we look at the world the way that God wants us to see it, this world is 
struggling because of sin. Christ is going to end that. He's going to come back. Yes, we, we believe in the rapture. Uh, we believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back to the earth in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. And we're going to be caught up, if you're saved, to meet the Lord in the air, dead or alive. Then there will be a seven-year tribulation period. We believe the Bible teaches clearly the rapture is before the tribulation. Then God will come, will send judgments upon the earth. In Revelation, it specifically first refers to those judgments as the wrath of God being poured out upon the earth. Then after that, what? Jesus Christ comes back with his saints, who had already gone up to meet him before, and he sets up what? His millennial reign. Therefore, the curse is lifted from the earth. Uh, Believers are in uh, immortal bodies now. And sin is going to be dealt with justly and righteously. Therefore, the mourning is, in, at least the way it was in the fallen earth, has passed. <laughs> yes, there'll still be some lost people in, the, in that time. They'll go, in, they'll go into the millennium. Yes, there'll still be some people sinning. The Bible teaches that. It's no study. But they will be dealt with justly and righteously. And so it'll be a whole different economy. And the one who is the Prince of Peace, amen, will be ruling upon the earth and, and shall be comforted, the Bible says. Uh, we who know him and who have grown spiritually will be comforted when Christ is enthroned and, and, and reigning in the millennium, amen. And uh, uh, that'll be uh, the greatest comfort that we have known thereto for sure. And I think that's why God put that uh, in that verse just like that. We're mourning, we're, we're not mourning, you know, because I don't, I don't make enough money or, or my health isn't good, good enough. And we, yeah, we mourn over things, we're human. But God wants us to learn to mourn over things that really are worthy of mourning over. That's sin and the, and the, and, and the curse. We do that, then Christ comes, we find a great comfort as well. We're going to look at meekness today. Learn some things about, about meekness uh, Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Uh, the world has a kind of, fu- of a funny understanding of this word. Uh, they associate meekness with, you can almost re- finish the sentence, weakness, huh? Uh, that's what they do. Uh, I read one definition uh, of meekness. It says, uh, the fact or condition of being meek. Okay, doesn't help us much, does it? <laughs> then it says submissiveness. Just submitting. They give a sentence to describe that or meekness. All his best friends make fun of him for his meekness. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I think they have a, pro- a couple problems here. One with the definition of meekness. And the other, perhaps, with the definition of best friends. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, uh, an amazing thing. Marion Webster says uh, in, one, in one place, enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Deficient in spirit and courage. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> That's an amazing thing. 
What does the word mean here this, uh, in, our, in, our, in our Bible? It means meek, mildness of disposition. Something within us. Gentleness of the spirit within us. There's something within you when you're born again that tames you. Amen. Submissiveness. Yes, that's a, that's a good uh, uh, definition. But it is submissiveness to God. That's the believer's meekness. It's not this one that well, just submits to whatever anybody says, anywhere, at any time, whatever they want, I'll do. I'll, uh, no, that is weak. <laughs> that is weakness. No, meekness is submissiveness to God in our hearts. And so we'll learn some things uh, about meekness uh, this morning. Look at some things. First of all, number one, as we've already started, we'll consider the falsehood of meekness or the, some of the false things that people say about meekness. And we said uh, that some people would say it's, it's meekness well, uh, it's, or it's weakness. No, uh, we read about Moses in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. And the Bible says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men were, which were upon the face of the earth. Moses, we all know who Moses is. A meek man, no doubt. We look at another uh, uh, truth about Moses. We read in Exodus 32, 19 and following. Uh, Moses had gone up to received the tables of stone in the mount uh, from God. Uh, and he come back, comes back down uh, with Joshua. Verse 19 of Exodus 32. Came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp. That he saw the calf and the dancing. Remember Aaron made that golden calf. And all Israel began to dance around it and all that. <clears throat> And Moses' anger waxed hot. This is meek Moses, okay? <laughs> and cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made. <laughs> he didn't stop there. He took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel. What? Drink it. <laughs> this was that meek Moses. You see, his anger was spirit-filled anger. I know that. We, 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 we consider this. There's no rebuke for Moses breaking the tablets. There's no rebuke to him for strawing, for grinding this, this calf up and making them drink it. No rebuke at all. As a matter of fact, we might consider the fact that he had just had a conversation with God. Moses is actually reflecting God's anger at what they'd done. What happened just previously to Moses doing this? Exodus 32, 7 uh, and following. Exodus 32, 7 and following. The Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned quickly aside out of the way which I have commanded, which I commanded them. 
They have made a molten calf, have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Watch it. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and I will consume them, and make of thee a great nation. You go on to read that. Moses starts pleading with God. Oh, now, no, God, if you do that, uh, uh, what's, what's, what are the lost people going to say when they hear about they get destroyed? They're, 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 they're going to say you were weak, you know, all kinds of stuff. So God and Moses, God lets Moses and God forgives and God turns from the, uh, what he was willing to do. So Moses comes back down the mound, merely reflecting, I believe, by the Holy Spirit, the very anger that God had toward that sin. What an amazing thought. You think about that. Uh, earlier, the people had been complaining about not having water. In the Nexus uh, 17, uh, 5, Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take it in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock. Hit the rock, Moses. Take that, that staff and smite the rock. Now God had told Moses that he would be standing on the rock. So that was a picture of Christ being smitten for us. Christ is the rock. <laughs> but nonetheless, wasn't tap the rock. At this point, it wasn't speak to the rock. At this point, it was what? Smack it, Moses! Smite that rock! Who was saying that? God. God. I think that was a reflection of Holy Spirit anger that Moses showed. Uh, Jesus Christ, obviously, is the ultimate example of anything virtuous. Meekness included. In uh, Matthew chapter 21, we see what we call the triumphal entry. Jesus, after ministering, uh, finishing his, up his public ministry, goes into Jerusalem the time that he knows he'll be captured and, and crucified. He goes into the temple. He goes into Jerusalem for his last uh, trip in that area there. And in Matthew 21, 5, we read, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold thy king, that's Jesus, cometh unto thee, how? Meek, and sitting upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. You go on to read there, in, in Matthew 21, it says, and verse 10, And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Here's meek Jesus. And Jesus went into the temple and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. 
and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but she have made it the den of thieves. That was the one who came meek and lowly on the donkey. And what's the, the business that he takes care of? He goes in and clears out the temple. Quite a different meekness than what the world would define. No, meekness for the believer is submissiveness to God's will, period. Whatever God would have us to do or be. It's that kind of submissiveness. <clears throat> We've considered the, uh, the, falseness, uh, the falsity of, of, of submission, how, of, of meekness, how they uh, wrongly define it. Secondly, the fruit of meekness, the fruit of meekness, this change in spirit, which the Holy Spirit makes in our hearts and lives, being changed on the inside makes what? A change on the outside. Cleanse forth what? That which was in the cup that the outside may be clean also. Amen. God doesn't change you on the inside without it showing on the outside. And meekness is a change on the inside towards God and His will. And it is manifested in what I might call a gentle temperance. Uh, a gentle temperance. Uh, not one that flies off the handle. Not one that, uh, uh, get, had, that, that demonstrates fleshly anger. In uh, Proverbs 14, 17. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. And a man of wicked devices is hated. Because on to say in Proverbs 14 and verse 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great uh, understanding. Slow to wrath. But he that hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Quick-tempered? Not wise. <laughs> An angry person? Foolish. The wrath of man worketh not what? The righteousness of God. God doesn't get his work done by man's anger. You say, well, doesn't God get angry? Yes, he does. <laughs> and if we're right with God, sometimes we're going to be angry too. And frankly, God's anger is going to show through us. That's happened multiple times to those who serve God in the Bible. We can read about it. We read some about it already, I believe. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. I think Job demonstrated some meekness in the spirit that he showed, especially starting out in his trials. You remember the story of Job, Job chapter 1. He'd been living for God, and God had a little conversation with the devil. Job didn't know anything about it. We still, as far as we know, he still he didn't know anything about it until the day he died. But God that said to the devil, have you 
considered my servant Job. He's a righteous man. He's living for me. He loves me. What'd the devil say? <laughs> That's because you protected him. You read Job chapter 1. He says, let me at him. He'll curse you to your face. So what did God do? Satan immediately, he says, you, he says, you can... Uh, uh, you can you can uh, uh, you can you can have Adam just to save his life. What does Satan do? He takes all that Job has, all his wealth, all his riches, even kills his children with a storm. By the end of chapter one, Job doesn't curse God. Devil comes back to God. God says, "See, Job's a righteous man." What's the devil say? Skin for skin, all that, all that a man hath will he give you know, for his life, for his flesh. God says, okay, well you can touch his flesh then. But still don't take his life. He gets the boils and all that. He gets in such a, you know, in, in, in such a, in such a, uh, in such a, a, a bad way that his wife uh, says, Job, you ought to just curse God and die. And in Job chapter 2 and verse 7, consider this. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not Job sin with his lips. What was Job saying? Look at all that we've received. He's talking to his wife. Of course, they, God had taken it. What did Job say earlier? The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. At 27, he lost all that he had. And now his body is racked with boils and sores and pains. Shall we receive good of the Lord, not evil? absolute submissive to the will of God isn't he God isn't it he that has done good to us and he says and doesn't he have the right to put boils on my body if he wants <laughs> absolutely there's meekness that's submissiveness because God is a good God and that doesn't change and he may bring something into your life as a believer that hurts and that costs you or I in some way but he never does it but for the good that absolute submissiveness to the will of God within that meekness <clears throat> That spiritual battle. Think of another illustration. David. He'd sinned against God. We could uh, enumerate most of us the sins that he committed. They were terrible, horrible, right up from adultery through murder and many and others. And God told David, there's chastisement coming, David, for that. 
you're, ha- you're going to have problems in your house, David. You read, you read it uh, on the chapters about David. You'll find out the problems that he had in his house. To the point where Absalom wants to take the throne. Of his, and he wants to kill his own father. David flees. Takes some with him. A man that was a part of Saul's family. The former king. Shimei comes out and he curses, cursing David as they're leaving Jerusalem. Come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. That's what Shimei was yelling across the way to David as he cast dirt and threw stones at David. <laughs> a couple of his soldiers said, um, i got a sword here. How about I go over there and bring his head back to you? <laughs> you know what David's answer was? David says to, to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life, how much more may this Benjamite do it? Listen to David's perspective. Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. This is what God wanted him to do. I accept it. I receive it. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction. David knew the chastings were coming. He was seeing them just as God said they'd happen. For it may be the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. I want good to come out of the evil things that God brings into my life because I know he brings the evil things into my life for good. Is what David was saying. I'll submit to God. I'll accept that. Hopefully I'll, I'll see and understand the good soon. You see, when we get saved and the Spirit changes our heart, the Spirit comes and lives within us, He gives us, makes us a new creature, the Bible says. And we look at things differently. Ephesians 6 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What is one of the things that gives that believer that meekness inside? That calmness that shows on the outside? We recognize we're not wrestling people. It's it's a spiritual battle. I almost said that people aren't our enemies. It's a spiritual battle, but people can be our enemies. The Bible says so. Matter of fact, we're commanded to love who? Our enemies. (laughs) You see, people can set themselves up against God. People can reject Christ and say, I'll be against that. At that time, they are serving as what? 
an enemy of God. So people can be our enemies if they yield themselves to that. But nonetheless, enemy or not, we are to what? Allow the Spirit to work through us and respond in the way that He wants to respond. Amen? In submissiveness to the will of God. To God. To the will of God. Uh, so we recognize that. I'm not going to get mad at them. If, if, if someone gets mad, even if they're an enemy, if God has allowed it in my life, why? For my good. Maybe it's a, chasti- maybe it's a chastisement for some sin that I've done. If, it's come up, if a difficult time has come upon me, God's going to use it. So I have a different attitude toward that. In meekness, you won't be angered about those events. Why? Because God orchestrates all events, doesn't he? And you recognize that. And you realize that. And if you get angry about it, the flesh, that what we already mentioned, James 1.20, the wrath of man worketh not the righteous, righteousness of God. What's that going to help? It's not going to grow you spiritually. And by the way, we are poor in spirit. When I have to address an issue in my life or learn from an issue in my life, what do I have in and of myself and my own flesh to help me with that? Nothing. We already learned that. (laughs) So I have to, in meekness, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the will of God. Here it is, God. I can glorify you through this. What would you have me to say or do? Or maybe to not be doing or not saying if it's some kind of a chastisement. What is it, God, that you want me to do and say through this? That's the only avenue we have left. We don't have any, as I mentioned, a clout of our own. That's back in that poor in spirit thing. See, the, these things that spirit works in our hearts, you know, meekness is listed as one of the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, those things. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, when the Bible talks about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, uh, that word there is singular, the fruit of the Spirit. See, the fruits of the Spirit are really the character of God. And once you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. He is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You have it all in one right now. All in one. That word fruit in the Greek is, is in the singular. It's not like the word in our English where we say, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, I went and bought some fruit. You know, I bought uh, five apples. Now, that would be plural in the Greek. And by the way, our King James Bible uses the word fruits. When the Bible talks about in Philippians that, God, that Paul prays that God would increase the fruits of our righteousness, that word in the Greek is in the plural. Fruits has a singular, fruits has a plural. Fruits of the Spirit are singular. They all work together. It's the character of God. Meekness is associated with being poor in spirit and mourning. It comes because it's, you turn to Christ because you're poor in spirit. You've got nothing. I've got nothing. Who, who are we going to go to for victory, Jesus? 
Uh, we mourn. We're going to get all angry about it. We mourn over our own sin. It's a fallen world. And so all this attributes to meekness. Turns us to Christ. Makes us submissive what? Just to his will, whatever he wants. Because that's the path that's, that's, that's put before me now, you see, as a believer. To glorify Jesus Christ. I like what Paul said uh, in Rhodes. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Did you get that? It's by the grace of God that you and I live the Christian life. He went on and said, uh, he labored more, more abundantly than they all in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He's on to say, yet not I, but what? The grace of God that was in me. In that meekness, he turned, uh, whatever you want, God, whatever you will. Because whatever you want, you'll give me the power and wisdom to do. If I'll ask you for that. <clears throat> meekness. <clears throat> Thirdly, we see... We see... Uh, we went through that already. <clears throat> we went through David... Thirdly, we see the fount of meekness. The fount of meekness. As I mentioned, meekness is primarily an attitude of spirit towards God. Meekness towards God is that attitude of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. No, no disputing, no resisting. That's that submissiveness that produces to God that produces that gentleness toward others on the outside <clears throat> blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth Jesus is talking about things within us here in, in, uh, in these, in these uh, beatitudes in the beginning here in, fir in 1 Peter 3.3 3, Peter talks them about meekness and talking about husbands and wives and such things. And, and he talks about the wife. He says, uh, uh, you know, some, some, might be, some wives might be tempted to, you know, uh, to, for an outward show. You know, want to show off the beauty and do the, the big hairdo and the, uh, and the fanciest dress and, and, and the fanciest jewelry in the, you know, in the church, you know, is, what, is kind of what, you know, just being... Uh, uh, over much in those things and, 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 and focusing too much on the outside. Peter said, don't do that. But what's he say? He says, who's adorning, wife? Let the beautiful thing about you be this. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, of wearing of gold, of putting on apparel. But let it be that, what's it say? Hidden man of the heart. That's on the inside in that which is not corrupt, even in the ornament of a what? Meek and quiet spirit. That's on the inside. Which is in the sight of God of great price. Who sees the inside? God does. And as I mentioned, if it's on the inside, people are going to see it on the outside too. And it's going to manifest itself in that gentleness and in that submission to the will of God. The fount is that attitude within. Jesus, of course, as always, as I mentioned, demonstrates the ultimate in any virtue. 
Meekness is no exception. What did we read about uh, uh, Jesus at the at the tri- at the uh, triumphal entry? <clears throat> Matthew twenty one five. Tell you the daughter of Sion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Then uh, we went on to read how he cleared out the temple. But before he did that, John tells us of something, that little conversation that took place. Philip and some others had run on to some folks that wanted to see Jesus. And uh, some Gentiles. Jesus uh, spoke to them in John chapter 12. Much people come to the feast uh, when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took branches, uh, palm trees, and went forth to meet him. So we're talking about the triumphal entry. They cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. And then John 12, 22. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. There's some folks who want to talk to him. And Jesus answered, saying, here, and, and here it is. Here's the meekness. Here's the meekness. And Jesus answered, saying, The hour is come the son of, that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. Where is he going? To his death. By the way, is it God's will for him? Yeah. Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. Did you get that? Not, I am where my servant is. Where I am, there shall my servant be. Yielding to his will. Meekness. The same way Jesus was doing to the Father right now. Absolute submission. In the absolute most difficult circumstances to do it. He goes on. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. And look what he says in verse 27 of John 12. Now is my soul troubled. This is hard. I know that soon my father is going to say, going to, turn, going to kind of turn away from me and I'm going to feel forsaken. I'm going to soon bear the sins of the whole world. This is what the perfect son of God knows let alone suffer probably the most excruciating pain that we could imagine through crucifixion. Romans were professional killers. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, he's not going to say that because he's meek. 
He's absolutely submitted to the will of the Father. What shall I say then? Father, save me from this hour. His flesh perhaps is yearning for that. Not wanting to go through the pain any more than you and I would. But looking ahead. Complete submission to the Father. But for this cause came I unto this hour. I came here for this. To suffer in this way. It's so hard right now, but this is what I came for. By the way, it's what God sent him for. Then what does he say? I like it. Uh, four words. Father, glorify thy name. Absolute submission to the will of God. No greater act of meekness ever performed on the earth than that right there. It's yours, God. I'm yours, God. Then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Affirmation. <laughs> Meek, yeah. You see, meekness will move us to stand, to stand between two extremes. Uncontrolled and unjustifiable anger and no anger at all. No matter what takes place around us. No, that's not meekness. That's not meekness either. See, if we need to be especially careful if we're a person that's prone to anger. Because we might hear some of the things that I've said and say, Oh, you know, sometimes it's God's will for, you know, for us to get angry. Is that true? Yes, it is. The Bible says what? Be, be ye angry what? And sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Yes, sometimes it's God's will for you to be angry. And me too. But if you're a person, I think, it, I think it was for Moses. I think it was God's will for, for him to be angry at that specific time we read about here. But be careful. Because if you get angry in the flesh, what happens? You can get in trouble. You see, that same Moses later got angry again. They had been whining and crying about water again. And what did God say? Moses, go speak to the rock. And what did Moses do? Here now, ye rebels! Must, must, we, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And he takes his staff and he smites it two, twice, two times. Uh, anger, Moses, but not God's. How do you know that? Because he disobeyed the command of God. That's how I know it was Moses' anger, not God's. God had commanded him what? Speak to the rock, Moses. Moses added to that. I think we need a little bit, I think we need a little bit more drama here, God. <laughs> and uh, uh, let's make this, you know, remember, memorable, you know. No, God doesn't need our input, okay? Remember, poor in spirit means we don't have the wisdom either, okay? <laughs> and what happens? What did God do? God told Moses... Because of that, Moses, the thing that I have, that I believe he wanted to do most in this world was lead the children of Israel into the promised land. I think that's the thing that he desired to see accomplished the most in his life before he was taken away. I think that was the dearest thing on earth for him to accomplish before he left here. And guess what God said? 
you're not going in Moses you're not going in that wasn't my anger that was yours you disobeyed me the thing that you long for most in your life you just you just forfeited matter of fact we find Moses a couple times later begging him God would you still would you let me go no God says no don't talk to me about it anymore Moses that's why the warning's out there watch out if our anger is not of God then there'll be a, then there'll be a proper chastening coming for it and God will take and, and, and it won't be something that we like no chastening is, is you know is joyous but grievous but grievous the Bible says it won't be something we like we might lose something we like or not be able to accomplish something we desire to accomplish if we move out forward in human anger so we got to be submitted to God and fourthly finally we see the future of the meek the future of the meek blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth uh, do we realize that as believers we're going to inherit the earth by the way we inherit the earth because of who we know and whose we are. Uh, we think about this in, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 3.21. Uh, Therefore let no man glory in man, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, or life or death or things present or, or things to come. All are yours. All are yours. In uh, Revelation 21.7. I'm way behind there, aren't I? In uh, Revelation 21.7. All are yours, and ye are Christ, and ye are God. Second, or 1 Corinthians 3.21. Revelation 21.7. He that overcometh shall inherit what? All things. And will be as God, and he shall be my son. You see, we inherit the earth why? Because Jesus inherits the earth. We are joint heirs with Christ. Remember that? And so Christ is going to come back and we know rule the earth for a thousand years and then he's going to make a new heaven and new earth and, and, uh, and we're going to go on in that as well. But we inherit all that. Where will the lost be? Forever suffering and eternal damnation. That's their end. Not so for anyone who believes. You say, well, that, that sounds pretty scary, preacher. What must I do to be saved? You know, a man asked that in the Bible, those very words. What must I do to be saved? What does the Bible answer? By the way, any other answer is wrong? When, you, when, that, when that question was answered? Take away from that answer, and it's wrong. Add to that answer, and it's wrong. What must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, what? And thou shalt be 
saved. And he said, and thy house. If your house believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be saved too. Believe. And that word believe means to trust. And that's it. Well, I want to try to be good enough too. You won't be. If you could have been, Christ wouldn't have had to die and rise again. And by the way, his offering was perfect. What are you going to add to that? Well, I'll add my imperfect life. No, you won't. That'll mess it up. Put a little cyanide in a glass of water and drink it. See how much you like that. <laughs> That's why God won't accept what you're trusting in if you're adding to what Jesus did. Because you just poisoned it. That's why God won't accept what you're trusting in if you're not trusting in all that who Jesus is and what he's done because you've taken away from it. The pure offering that God has put out for the world. And so God has that. And one day, those who've trusted his son, those who've been born again, after the manner we have uh, shown here in the word of God, uh, will reign with him. And we'll... We won't inherit the earth. And I'm thankful that God's spirit works these things in our hearts. That we might be more like Jesus. And that we might glorify his name. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Christ. We never cease to be amazed when we meditate upon what you have done for us through Jesus Christ who he is God in the flesh your perfect son yet dying an awful death and rising again to pay for the sins of the whole world it's amazing God that you would go through so much just because you love us and you want every soul to be in heaven you've said in your word that, that you're not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance Father there may be one here who needs to do that there may be one uh, watching online who needs to do that and Lord all they need to do is Recognize their sin, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Recognize the punishment for sin, the wages of sin is death. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. There's the punishment. But then recognize, realize that, you, Lord, that you died for us. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And, and we are redeemed. We are bought back with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And it's simply by trusting in what your son has done. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, three words, shall be saved. Thank you, God. I kept an, arm length, an arm's length from religion in my own life until I heard the gospel. I knew I couldn't be good enough to deserve heaven then someone told me it was a free gift as your word says six times in Romans chapter 5 
call and get a free gift three of those times. And I, can, and I realized that I could receive a free gift. And over 30 years ago now, I called upon Jesus to save me. And he did just that and forgave me. Gave me, you gave me your Holy Spirit, Father, and I have by no means been perfect, that's for sure. I'm not what I ought to be, God, but I'm, I'm thankful I'm not what I was. And I want to grow more to, to the day I die. And I pray that anyone listening under the sound of this message would realize that they can be born again simply by faith. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Please, I'm sorry for my sins in my heart. I truly am. I do believe in your blessed son died for me and rose again as the perfect son of God. And right now, like I've heard quoted from your word, I call upon your name to save me. I believe all my heart in Jesus Christ and what he did for me. And I trust in that alone. And God, something like that spoken to you from their own heart guarantees them heaven. Guarantees their sins will be forgiven because you'll put their, your spirit in their heart. I pray they do that even now. And I pray they'd let us know. Call us. Uh, send us a, a text. Whatever it might be. You've said, He that believeth on me shall not be ashamed. And I pray you'd work that in, any heart of, in the heart of anyone who, who might have been saved through this message. It is for believers, God, this message. And so I do pray you would help us to be meek as believers. To be absolutely, as so many we see in the word of God, submitted to your will. During the good times. During the bad times. When it's popular, when it's not. But God, just submitting to you, knowing that you are good. And that you will work good through it for your glory. We can draw closer to you and others uh, in, in our difficult times. I can see you in us. And be drawn to you. This is what we, this is what we long for and pray for. And Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.